Brown song. Uh, <clears throat> end of this month, October 27th, 28th, and 29th, uh, I'll be at the conference in Taylor, Arkansas. Louisville, I can't remember which one. <laughs> where Darwin is. I'll be in Arkansas preaching and uh, staying in Texas, Arkansas. It's close to wherever that is. Um, the same weekend, Chris Cunningham is going to have his conference in uh, College Grove outside of Nashville. And so there's a whole lot of people. It's going to be six preachers in Arkansas, and I don't know how many Chris is going to have. So that's a whole lot of pulpits that need to be filled. I can't get nobody to come. They ain't available. We ought to pray that the Lord raise up laborers in the harvest, give some young men some unction of the Holy Spirit to preach uh, throughout this nation and this world. Uh, so I started asking preachers, uh, pastors. I asked preachers. Ain't no preachers can come. Can't. And so I asked pastors to come. And I talked to Bruce Crabtree, and he said, I'd love to come to California, but I'm preaching somewhere else that evening. He's, he's been preaching Sunday morning at his pulpit, and then there's another gathering that's close. He drives like several other ones have throughout time. Tom Harding did. Tom Harding drove Kingsport, Tennessee, every Sunday evening for years. And so Bruce is traveling that evening somewhere else to go preach. So he said he'd come in February. I said it'd be a warm month. Him and Cindy can come down and stay with us. But I'd like to be here to visit with him. But I, I finally got a pastor that's coming to preach to California. And I'm excited, and I hope you're excited. Todd Nybert's coming. And he's going to preach the 27th. He's going to preach the 28th. And he's going to preach the 29th. Well, we ain't going to do it in this building, though. You, you pumped up? I'm going to tell you something. It's close. It's a fifth of the distance that that Ethiopian traveled to go worship in Jerusalem. Marysville, California. Up her brother Rick Porter. That's close. Lord, we ain't even got to take a buggy. We ain't even got to get a horse saddled up and feed it and take hay with us and you just put a little gasoline in your car and go. Kimberly's going up there. She'll be up there with the children. They're going up Saturday morning. But, uh, I was going to call Todd and ask him to come down here. And then I found out he's already going to be in California. <laughs> so uh, it's close. I hope I hope everybody's able to go. And uh, Rick said they're going to broadcast it uh, anyway. I think audio only. But they're going to broadcast it. So, so for those that God hasn't made willing or able to go, uh Tune into that. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, if you want to. Or tune into, I don't think Darwin puts them up on Mixler, maybe, but um, tune into the services in Arkansas. But anyway, Brother Todd, Todd's coming to California. And I might pick on him a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 54. I titled this message Save, which is important, and Judge. That's important. Psalm 54, verse 1. It says, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. God's going to have to teach us what that means. A whole lot of commas in there. So we'll take it in small bites. But Save me, O God. Who's saying that? Well, the man that wrote it's David. Well, isn't that? He's he's the same one, a little shepherd boy. He said, what's wrong with y'all, Goliath out there? He said, just some uncircumcised Philistine. What y'all worried about? I'll take care of it. God's on his throne. He says, later in life, save me. God teach us what that means. Who's he talking to? Oh, God. 
What's the method? He's going to do. What's the means by which? By thy name. What's the context? All this is going to take place. I'm giving away a whole, a whole, all my points. <laughs> What's the context? This, this saving that God's going to do by His name. What's the basis on which this is going to take place? Judge me, justice, judgment. Judge me by according to your strength. That's as just and as judged as it can get. That's in holiness. Save me in a way that's just and holy and right. There's false gods all throughout this world, and some of them have Baptist or Calvinist or Reformed or, or whatever. Something sounds real good on their, their church doors out front. And, and, and it's a false god. It's a false gospel, and they will die and perish in their sins if they meet God believing that, is that God somehow swept some sin underneath the rug. Like he's like an old uncle. Say, ah, we just won't pay no attention to that. We'll save everybody. Like it's a party. Come over for some cake. That's blasphemous. To blaspheme God's name saying he tried to do something. He didn't do something in justice. This has to be done in justice. I need to be saved. That's the need of every human being driving up down that road in San Diego County. We ought to tell them. They have, there's a need. We need to be saved by God according to through his name and, and according to justice. This has to be holiness. This can't be fraudulent. That's not God. He's a holy God, isn't it? David says, save me. That's my need right now. How many preachers you know that need to be saved? <laughs> that's, my, that's my need right now. I need God to save me. That was my need it was when, when it was right now a few years ago. A few years ago was right now then. And right now is right now. And that was when it was right now last week. I could cry this. It was needful. I'll be saved. When, when right now was 20 minutes ago. Save me. Lord's going to save us, baby. Well, he has saved us. Yes. And he's going to have to save us right now. Yes. And he shall save us. He's going to save me in the future. Yes. We call it plumb saved. <laughs> I'm about to be plumb saved. Saved. There's three tenses in the scripture. People argue this, and I, I ain't arguing nothing. I'm just going to tell you what the word of the Lord says. He uses his words three different ways. There's three tenses to saving in the scriptures. Believers, those put in him before the foundation of the world and that covenant of grace, before there, there's a savior before there was ever a sinner. We have been saved. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He entered that covenant willingly to die for his people, to live for him, to be risen for him, to, to represent them on his throne. That's always happened. Yes. Believers are being saved. We have been saved. We are being saved right now. It happened when he physically came to this earth. That covenant was, was, was ratified and come to fruition, however we want to word these things. It come to pass. He came to this world. He was born of a virgin and, and looked to, to do, be about his father's will all through childhood. Talk about an easy child to parent. When he's at his job working, imagine the tables he made. He's a carpenter. You think, you think him doors were square when he got through hanging them? 
Think of his hands. His, well, I know his hands are pierced. Think of the calluses on him. That's a it's capital M man. That's a manly man. And he hung on that cross, saving his people from their sins. As a shepherd laid down his life for his sheep, he did it. He purposed to do it. He did it. And now, that's before we ever come on the scene. Then I'm born 1,980 years later. <laughs> I come on the scene. And then he comes to me and declares through the Holy Ghost in my heart, abounds towards me, and you can't get away from it. It's not just irresistible grace. That's a grace that's irresistible. And he said, I've saved you. And by me saying I saved you, I'm saving you. And then like your last message, you're going to feel pretty small on that. I'm going to save you. Until we're with him. That came to pass. That that's happened in the hearts of some of his people. And, and when the Lord reveals himself to us and he saved us and he showed us who, that he's salvation and he's commanded the salvation, we don't say, boy, we got that squared away. All right, what's next? Our jaws ought to drop. Day in and day out. Consider, right? <laughs> we got some stuff to consider, don't we? He tells us to. And we cry out when we consider those things, the things that's bigger than us and smaller than us and him and what he's done, his message he's given us and one another, we cry out, save me. Save, Lord. Save. Believers never stop crying for the Lord to save them. It's not a one-and-done salvation. We are being saved. Paul wrote that in Romans 10. He said, for the heart, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. That's not what it says. Man believeth unto righteousness. That means whenever he revealed it to me, I believe. And right now I'm believing. And guess what's going to happen to you tomorrow? God's going to make you believe him. He's going to speak to you, and you're going to believe it. We are. That's what he says. <laughs> For with the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that don't stop either. The Lord did it. I'm a worm, I'm grass, behold your God. Does it does change? You get tired of hearing that? Does that get old hat and you want to talk about something that happened 20 years ago? Uh, that's today. That's to now. <laughs> right now. It was yesterday, it was right then. That's true yesterday. You, I'm going to tell you something. If the Lord keeps this worth spinning, guess what's going to happen tomorrow? His people's going to believe and confessions are going to be made. For the scripture saith, that means it said it and it still says it. <laughs> <laughs> that word ain't going to change. The scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Believeth. Turn to Matthew 14. I want to look this up. Believers cry out for the Lord to save them, to keep them. Matthew 14. Remember that valley of dry bones? Ezekiel went down and preached to them and they rose up and sinews laid on the bones and breath was breathed into them and all that. And he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. That's the house he's building, his body, his church. Behold, they say they have life in them. Our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. You was dead five minutes ago. <laughs> you was a bunch of whited bones. And God gave you life. And then that life cries out, I'm lost. Help me. Dead men ain't lost. 
Dead men ain't at war with God. Like they are. They don't know it. They don't cry that out. They don't cry out, I surrender. They ain't got enough sense to know they're in a war. They don't know they got enough sense to know they're lost. God gave you that sense and gave you that heart, and you cry out, and it don't stop. Don't stop. That ain't my opinion. I'll take the beating for it. That's fine. <laughs> Y'all agree with me, but <laughs> they, uh, uh, that ain't my opinion. That's uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The Holy Spirit was doing this. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's the Spirit. And they cried out for fear. Where were they? In the boat, Almighty God spoke to their ears to get into after he said, Follow me. Ye believe in God, believe ye also in me. These are believers. They're scared of spirits, and they're scared. Professional uh, commercial fishermen are scared of a storm. Probably a pretty bad storm. <laughs> they're scared to death. But straightway, verse 27, Jesus spake and said, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. I wonder what things we ask to be near to the Lord. We're not near to him because we ain't asked. I want to be near to you today, Lord. Bring me to your feet today. Might just say, come. Come on. He said, come. And when Peter was coming down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind bolsters, he was afraid. When he saw everything going on around him and not looking to the one that saved him, that was having him come to him, he began to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. Save me, Lord. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. I wish somebody that wasn't saved or that needed saved would call to him and say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He ain't going to give you a a six-month probationary period and a bunch of doctrine you got to memorize and a bunch of things you got to know and a bunch of things. Immediately, he reached forth his hand. If he put a heart in him to cry out to him and we get to watch it, I'd be happy with you. Heaven's rejoice. I'd rejoice too. You would. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hands and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. All them troubles went away. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. That's him. We can agree with a lot of people that Peter cried out to the Lord. Peter walked on the water. Peter yelled out, Lord, save me. That's what it says. If you can read the English language, you, you, you know that's what it is. We can give mental assent to that. We can give agreement that salvation has been accomplished. 
we can give agreement that it is being accomplished, and we can give agreement with a bunch of people in the world that it shall be accomplished. We can give agreement that God saves people. But who does this concern? God save Peter? The Catholic Church calls him a saint. A whole mess of people believe that God saved Peter. But who must this concern? I know it's a short text, but let's turn back to it. Psalm 54. Psalm 54. I want you to focus on one word. I'll read two of them. Psalm 54, verse 1. Save from eternity past, right now, to eternity future. Save. Who? God's got to do that, right? Save. Who? Me. Save me. Not people that are totally depraved, this totally depraved person. Not people that fell in a garden, this one that fell in a garden. Not, not because of unconditional election, and that's a, a fact that there's nothing based in you, because there ain't nothing in me worth basing it on. An irresistible grace. Make it, it has to be me. Not the person sitting next to me. Not, I want it for the ones I love. I want it for the ones sitting next to me. I want it for those inside my own house. That's, it's got to be one-on-one. Me. Joseph, I, I, I really thought all week that was a message for today. And I got up this morning, I said, that ain't the, I, mean, I got great notes. Great notes. That ain't God's message. That's terrifying. Uh, the other one was. But Joseph, whenever he revealed himself to his brethren in Genesis 25, it said Joseph could not refrain himself before all that stood by him, and he cried because every man to go out from him. He said, get out. Everybody go away. Just me and these 11 brothers. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Now, they could have been, there's 10 million people in that country. I don't know. They might have just went outside the room. Or they might have went to the other side of the room. They was not close to them. But he dealt with them brethren one-on-one. Right there with them. Got them alone. They might have 10 standing next to him. He dealt with one-on-one. The Lord gets his people one-on-one. Get that? Remember that deaf man? Was there in Mark 7? And so they bring him one that was deaf. He had an impediment in his speech. And they beseeched him to put his hand on him. He couldn't talk right because he couldn't hear. Well, if God didn't give you ears to hear, the right words of his gospel ain't going to come out of your mouth. And those that can hear, like, that ain't right. Not to judge one another, but, like, I don't want to hear what they have to say. Stop taking advice from people like that. And they don't they ain't got enough sense to stop giving it. Just stop taking it. Don't listen to them. But he took that man aside from the multitude. They brought this deaf man who couldn't talk. And this happened more than once. I just picked Mark 7. The Lord took them aside from the multitude. He said, come on. And those that brought him said, let's watch you work, boys. Here he goes. What's he going to do? Stand back. And the Lord took him to the side from the multitude. He put his fingers in his ears and he spit and he touched his tongue and looked up to heaven. He sighed and said unto him, Ephetha, that is, be open. And straightways his ears were open and the strings of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. Shibboleth. That happened one-on-one by himself. 
Now, you come, you sit, and you hear the gospel preached, and you consider the things that are preached, and I'm just flinging arrows as hard as I can fling them. I don't know where they're going to land. adventure. But the Lord's going to hit somebody in the heart. And that ain't going to be me taking them off to the side and taking the arrow and kind of wiggling it in them. That ain't going to happen. I've done it a thousand times. You know what I mean? Washing machines I've set on the army and gave little Bible classes and all that We had a Bible class, a little Bible study in my house. It's availed nothing. God saves by the foolishness of preaching, and he does it one-on-one. I've said that before. What if, what if I close my eyes? What if you was the only one that showed up today? And I looked you dead in the eye, and I said, I hope God saves somebody in this room this morning. Save. He's about to say, reveal himself to me today. Me. Me. I can't preach nothing to you if I ain't lived it. I read ahead sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to really preach from that psalm <laughs> or something else. David's in trouble. I don't want to go through that trouble. That's all right, though. Save me. The Lord's got to get somebody by themselves. And they don't walk an aisle, and they don't make a deal with the preacher, and they don't have some experience. And people ask me to pray for them, and I want to pray for them. you got to tell me what it is. I want you to pray for me. But my, I'm not, I don't have a, a hotline to the man upstairs, as people say. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm no different. You're going to have to do it with God. God's going to have to do it with you. That's how it's got to be. It'll take place in the preaching of his word. But it's got to be one-on-one. He's got to do that. It's got to be independent. God must save me. Now, how? What is it? Save. Who? Me. How? Psalm 54, verse 1. Save me, O God. By thy name, by your name. Acts 4, let me turn over there. I'm going to turn a little bit. I'll try to go quick, though. I won't keep you too awful long today. Acts 4. Verse 10. Talk, talk about making it applicable. Where people, seeing people hear the preaching of the gospel and they say, you talking to me? Yes. God is, I pray. He's doing with you independently and me independently. But look here what was said. What a, what a pointed statement. Be it known unto all you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by his name, whom you crucified... Ooh, that was fresh. This just happened. That was the people that did it. They were there. Hope Lord give me boldness to do that and, and the power and strength to do that. Whom you crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We know that part. What's the context? You're the builder and you threw him away and you killed him. And by his name, this one we rejected. That's called pleading for mercy. Save me. From what? Christ came to save his people. From something. Not from making a bad decision. From their sins. What was our sin? Not believe in God and being at war with him. To not believe him is to hate him. I crucified him. He was the chief cornerstone. I rejected him. I was the builder. I didn't want nothing to do with him. 
And that's the very one you got to bow down to and beg. And he says, I delight to show mercy. Who's got a God like our God? That God's our God, David said. That's something. That Neither is there salvation. David said, save me, O God, by thy name. Here in Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation by any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's got to be by his name. Turn over to John 3. Now, this, is a, this is a very unfamiliar text. I want you to look at it. Okay, John 3. The Lord's talking to a Pharisee, likely a member of the Sanhedrin. A very religious, unregenerated man that believed in election. Wholeheartedly. Follow what I'm saying. And he has some strong words to him. John 3, verse 16. Nicodemus, for God so loved the Gentiles. You get that? Who's the world to Nicodemus? He was dealing with Nicodemus, one on one. We have to get the context of this stuff. We start talking about things we don't understand. He was dealing with this Pharisee. The world to Nicodemus was those Gentile dogs. And God looked at him and said, God so loved Gentile dogs. And you better be made one, Nicodemus. God's going to have to make you a sinner. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to have to do this work in you to make you see what you are. And this is good news to us. I'm a Gentile. And I'm a dog. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That gives me a free reigning license to preach to anybody. Anybody. The pulpits or the, or the prisons, it don't make a difference. The palaces, wherever. Anybody, because that's his business. I'm just telling them about it. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Do you know what that little half sentence means? Uh, Adam fell in the garden. We fell in him. We was already. We woke up that way. We were conceived in sin. We come from the womb speaking lies. We're condemned already. We don't need help in that. We can't charge God with that. That's our doing. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's believing in his name. Oh, God, save me in your name. In your name. What's his name? Does that just mean everybody says Jesus and we're good to go? That's, that's not the password. That's ain't what this is. It's not a challenging password to get through a door. It's to believe him, to believe his name's his attributes. That's who he is. And there's not just seven names. There's a whole lot more than that. He's a, he's a God of war. That's his name. We'll better figure out we're in a battle first. That's a good thing to realize, isn't it? He's holy. He's just. He said in Isaiah 9, his name should be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. His name is He Shall Provide. He healeth thee. We needed healing, didn't we? Those comes with conditions. There's things that go with it. He's present because we didn't used to be with him. 
He's our peace because we used to be at war. He's our banner. We're just waving our own flag. He's my shepherd. That's what David said. The Lord's my shepherd. Not he's the shepherd or he's a shepherd. He's my shepherd. And he is. He's the person and it's personally. It's to us. He's my righteousness. He is righteousness. He's the Lord, our righteousness. And the, the name whereby she shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. That's a whole lot to a name, isn't it? That's a whole lot to a name. That's believing on a name. That means he's all. He's all. What is this name? This Lord, this King, what's he going to do? She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He's got a people. They're sinful. He's going to save them. He shall. They saved him back in eternity in that covenant. Yeah, he showed up now. He saved them right now, and he shall forevermore, and he's going to keep them. That goes with it. Too. Could you imagine if you go out in the middle of the ocean and somebody's drowning and you, you brought them up to the boat and you said, you good? You breathing? Now get back in the water. <laughs> you go to prison. A false god that the people preaching, they ought to go to prison. Do better. Maybe the Lord teach them something in here. That king's going to save a people. What's the context? What are the rules, the situation of, of salvation taking place? And How can I be saved by the Lord's name? Me. I know what I am. How? How could this be right? Uh, by his name's sake and for his name's sake. David said in Psalm 54, Save me, O God, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. Oh, Bill Dad's talking to Job and he said something right. He had a good question. I wish people in this day and age would ask this question. I have an answer for him, and it's a good question to ask. How then can man be justified with God? How can he be clean that's born of a woman? How? How could this be? We've established he's not an unjust God that just sweeps in under the rug and acts like it didn't happen. Well, we'll just we'll act like it didn't happen. We'll forget about it. He has to be just. He has to be holy. He has to be right. Turn over to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 20. Isaiah 45, 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together that ye are escaped, ye that are escaped to the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven images and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. Ain't nobody like him. What's he like? A just God, does that come first? That's first. He is a just God. 
There ain't no other gods like him. He's the only one. And a Savior. There's none beside me. You, you whittle it down. Pick your poison. There's, there's two religions. There's two gods in this world. There's God who is God, and then there's man's imagination, and it's fake. And you whittle it down. Are they just? Are they just? Well, that's the, with, the, with the Muslims. Well, our God, yeah, he'll, we, if we repent, he'll forgive us. Well, what if you did it again? Well, if we repent, he'll forgive us. Will we get tired of that? Well, maybe someday. I don't know. Well, think about a judge on this earth. If somebody, if somebody killed your family maliciously, they premeditated, they went in and they murdered your family in a violent way, and then you went before the judge, and they said, Judge, I'm real sorry about that. He said, well, just walk free. Uh, no, that ain't justice. <laughs> That's a kangaroo court, buddy. That's something bad going down. This ain't right. Man knows that. This God is a just God. What he does is right. And a Savior. Ain't nobody like him. Man can't dream that up. He's holy, just, good, and Savior. He delights to show mercy. He considers our frame. He pitieth his children. He has compassion. How? That's what we're getting at, isn't it? Psalm 85. Psalm 85, verse 9. Surely his salvation. Oh, we could just camp out there for a little while and understand what that means. I need it. It's his to give. He commands it. He owns it. It's his. It's his salvation. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. His salvation, this holy, holy God, this just God, it's his. And because of him, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed That's something to consider. When did that happen? That they have to kiss. Our Lord spoke about an hour that was to come. And that was his concentration walking this earth to serve his Father. And he said, my hour's not come. My hour's not yet come. What's wrong with you? My hour ain't come. He always thought about that hour. And then the hour came. Was it? I can't enter into them things. Three hours, three days. I'll tell you what happened. He was forsaken of God because he said it out loud. That hour came when all that, we can't do that. I can't, if somebody murdered somebody, I can't go down to the jailhouse and say, I, I killed him now. I mean, I didn't, he did it, but I'll just take that. I can go sit in a cell for him, I guess, but I can't take guilt. His people, their sin, their guilt was laid on him. And his righteousness, his, his acts of a holy nature on this earth and the holy nature that he is, was made, we were made that. And it was just. That, that ain't my, I can't do that. It's his salvation. <laughs> he's a just, he's a savior. It's his, his plan. 
People talk about God's plan for salvation. They talk about this. Christ became me. That's why his face was so more. His mama didn't even know him. He looked like Kevin Thacker. And I was made him. And God turned his back on God. And, and that blood was so valuable and effectual. And the work was so done. There ain't nothing to put onto it. It was finished to a point that it was just and holy and we're saved. Save me, oh God, by thy name. And judge me. Judgment satisfied. Is that what the Holy Ghost comes and does? Convict of sin? Well, I smoked a cigarette one time when I was 13. No, you didn't believe on me. Oh, unbelief sin. Because that comes from pride, doesn't it? I think I'm right and he's wrong. Righteousness. That ain't me. Him. It has to be him. And I'm going to be made him. And he's going to have to be made me. And I don't really know how that works, but I'm going to need him. He's going to have to do it of judgment. He said it's finished. You believe him? Somebody telling somebody else to go get underneath the law. I want to ask him. When Christ said it's finished, do you think he's lying? I wish they'd stop. That cross, that's the error. That's the payment. That's the transaction. I don't. It ain't something legal. And I, we just ain't got no words to describe it. We're going to sing about it in eternity. I can tell you that. It took place. He purposed it before time. He, made, he brought it to pass. And that's what he reveals in the hearts of his people. God's saved the people, and he's just in doing so. He's holy. That's a, some people believe in a sovereign God, and that God's terrifying. <laughs> he's a monster that they conjured up. There's a holy God that's sovereign. He shall save his people from their sins. That's what, on that road to Emmaus, they were so downhearted. And you, you hear, I, me too, I'm glad the Lord recorded that. You hear about these? Go read Matthew 27. How does that make you feel? Sure he is. That'll break your heart, won't it, buddy? That was me. I ought to have been there. And them two was walking, walking that road to Emmaus, and they had their heads down as just their hearts just tore out of them. And he walked with them. God walked with them. He said, I will walk in them. <laughs> That's what his word says. He said, oh, fools. God called him a fool. You ever been foolish? I have. Oh, fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That's what he came to do. And he did it. Ain't this right? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I'd pray that robe was a little bit longer, wouldn't you? I want to hear him now. <laughs> Pop by in the head that's talking too. You hush. <laughs> He's talking. When he reveals himself, who he is, when he reveals in the same time, hand in hand or whatever, what we are and our need of him, and he reveals what he did. And this amazing salvation is just unspeakable. Uh, and he did it, and it's done. And he saved us. He's, and he saved, he saved me. And he's going to save me. I can't go. He, what we learned on Wednesday nights in John, he kept them and they kept them. That means he kept us from, from killing ourselves and being alone. And he's kept us from running away. We ain't escaping. That's good news. Then we cry out. Psalm 54. 
When Christ is revealed, it's just like those dry bones. Once life's put in, we cry with David, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. That's a good thing to say. Believers ought to say that. Because believers will say that, won't they? And that ain't going to get old. If the Lord saves us today and reveals himself to, to us and, and what his name is and, and, and everything he's done is in perfect total justice. This is right. Justice demands that we're saved. That's good. You know what's going to happen Tuesday morning at 9, 17 a.m.? We're going to need him to save us. Ain't <laughs> I want to tell me about that name one more time. Was it just? Oh, judge and strength. Whose strength? His strength. Isn't it? That's amazing. All right. Oh, observe his table. If he's revealed himself, that's all you can't remember somebody you ain't met. That's all I got to say about the Lord's table. You can't remember somebody you ain't met. He's got some strong words against that, don't he? All right. Uh, Brother Andre, if you and Trevor come hand out the elements, appreciate it.